fair to say you simply flooded the system with money? Yes, we did. That's another way to think about it. We did. Where does it come from? Do you just print it? We print it digitally. Look at what it means. This is why I'm saying, like, this is a lie that's been purported by Wall Street. The lowest rates, everything gets better all of a sudden. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. What about hard work? What about it? You work high. Gods were like 30 to 1 against me. Yeah, I mean, there are very few people that, from my neighborhood, you know, in my environment, that make it out. Uh, I mean, forget about being to be successful, to make it out alive. Lie, lie, lie. Welcome, everybody, to another week of the Trading Places podcast. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm your host, X. I am here with my guy, Rashid. What's going on? Rush. What's up, people? Antoine. Um, and hey, this, what's up, Rush? We, we, we have a very special guest. Um, we're really excited to talk to this brother. Uh, we've been looking forward to this. Um, Josh Swihart um, here from Electric Coin Company. Uh, Josh is the VP of Growth at Electric Coin Company, where he's responsible for Zcash adoption and demand generation. Prior to Electric Coin Company, he served as the SVP of Global Marketing for K2, leading global growth from startup to acquisition by Francisco Partners. He began his career as a software engineer and has served as a global practice principal for EMC, the CEO of Aspenware and VP of Software Development for 3T Systems. Josh has received numerous global and national awards for leadership, marketing, and solution delivery. He is an advocate for the underserved and or exploited people all over the world, most actively with those living in the slums of Mumbai and Pune, India. Welcome to the show, Josh. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. No, yeah, thanks for coming. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, just to just jump right into it, um, what sparked your initial interest in crypto? Was there any particular event that led you to explore the industry or the asset class just a little bit deeper after you know learning about it? Yeah, like I, I've been into computers since I was a kid. I taught myself to code when I was in grade school, and then um, I ran a bulletin board. So this is like pre-internet days uh, where we had chat groups and things like that, and and we would crack video games and share those video games and, on the chat board, and and then um, got my first uh, software job when I was in when I was in high school. So I've been around for a while, and um, but when Bitcoin launched. I actually didn't think it was going to work and I didn't pay that much attention to it. I was running a software company at the time and just like trying to survive the economic uh, winter that we were in at that, at that time. Um, so I didn't pay too much attention until 2016 and it was still around. And so like what, you know, what, what's going on? Why is it still around? Something must be working. Um, and really like I, I started paying attention to Bitcoin and, and started investing in Bitcoin. But I found this thing called Ethereum, um, which really intrigued me, kind of this idea of a world computer and the concept of a DAO that they had in 2016. Yeah. So that what they're trying to work on is like, yeah, so you remember, it's like capital formation. Um, so I had worked with VCs, right? And VCs control all the money and they control what projects get funded and what team gets funded. Um, and a lot of times it's not equitable. Um, it's based on some other kind of either bias or relationship. Uh, and in some cases, not fair at all, where like uh, VCs would share information about one company to another company and then bet on that other company. 
Um, so this, yeah, this idea of a DAO where everybody could participate regardless of who you were and where you were from um, and, and, and how much or how little that you had, uh, that, was, that was pretty cool to me. So like I started getting engaged there, that got hacked. So it was like $30 million or something like that got hacked. Um, and it kind of fell apart, but, um, but that's where I really started to, uh, to get interested in crypto and, and really fell down the rabbit hole. Awesome. Thing. Was there any reason why you didn't believe in it at first when you, when you came across Bitcoin? Like I had watched, like there were other companies that were that companies that had tried to push out digital payment mechanisms. It was like Microsoft was playing with it and there was DigiCash and, and these, these different, um, experiments. And then this, you know, this, there's this pseudo anonymous thing. And I'm like, <laughs> who is Satoshi and what's the motivation and why would this person do this unless they're just, I mean, they wouldn't just do it for the good of the world. Right. They want to, yeah. um, so is it safe? Um, and, and I didn't, honestly, I like, I didn't, um, dig that deeply. I was just highly skeptical that some pseudo anonymous person would come up with some gift to the world and <laughs> and then right. it would work yeah, yeah we, hard to believe it's super hard to believe yeah uh, so after that how did you eventually you know start your career um in the crypto industry let say like tell us about your journey um you know, to electric coin company yeah so like I, again i like i've been working in software for a long time and um mostly building software for uh companies and governments Mm-hmm. And um, and then again, I was like started playing with with this idea. And at the time, like my wife and I, and in, in, in my oldest son, in 2003, we lived in India, and we moved out there to start an off, offshore development center for the company that I was working for. Oh wow! Um, and we got engaged, um, you know, not only with the technical community and this, the work that I was doing out there, but we got engaged with um, some groups that were doing work. In, in the slums uh, and with some um, kind of marginalized communities. And a lot of the, the folks in the slums in India, they're day laborers. So uh, they'll make two to $3 a day, maybe, right? If you're in Mumbai, it's seasonal. Yeah. So it's like, it's seasonal because you can't, like Mumbai is a lot of fishing. So if you, you might try to get a job cleaning prawns or cleaning fish at the Sassoon docks, but you're only going to be able to get that job during um, the months where, where you don't have monsoon and it's kind of, everybody's vying for the same job. So it's like, you're applying for a job every day. You show up and hope you get, get a job. Uh, and so when we moved back, we stayed in contact with some of those community leaders that we made friends with when we were there. Uh, and there was a fire, um, in a slum called Calabra in Mumbai. And a lot of people were wiped out. Um, so the, in the slum, it's like a one room kind of place. Um, some of them they built up on stilts to like stay above the water because the water will rise and um, in the bay. And so I was trying to send some money over to some friends and um, to like help with blankets and food and take care of some folks. So like I went to Western Union because my friends on the other side weren't banked and got on my computer and you would think it would be super easy and the forms were a pain and then when i tried to send it they rejected me right and um i was like well why are they rejecting me so 
like I, I had to wait, to, you know, I tried to get somebody in customer service, couldn't get anybody in customer service. I had to wait till the next day, couldn't get the digital stuff to work online. Went to the grocery store where there was a Western Union desk, tried to send it, it rejected me. Like what? <laughs> and, and, and you know what I ask, and it's like, well, why, why are you turning me down? And they say, well, we can't tell you. Like your flag. That's, that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. Right, so we have this intermediary he was going to charge me a bunch of money anyway, um, and then doesn't allow me to send funds. Um, so, like I have, um, so th so that was you know that that was a big trigger for me as I was looking at crypto. Is like, man, it would be so much easier. But I mean, my friends could have it, you know, have this in minutes yeah. if I could send them crypto, but they didn't know how to use it or convert it on the other side, right? Um, and that for me, it was convinced me like, it's like, I got to do this. I got to do this full time, right? I, I, I mean, we need this is like a huge problem to solve. And at the same time, um, in my past, I've done, I, I did some Intel work overseas. Um, and from that Intel work, I did some commercial work here in the States. Uh, and so I have some experience on data collection, how to aggregate that data, how to strip the metadata from it, how to profile people um, based on that. Um, mm. All in the name of good, quote, in, in brackets, you know, in quotes, right. and <laughs> all in the name of, of like targeted marketing to help the people get, you know, hit with the right stuff. And, and so I got profiled, right? I got profiled from somebody or some system at Western Union or the counterparty did, you know, my friends in India, I eventually got the money. I had to go through a bank. It took me three days and a bunch of money to get to, uh, to find somebody on the other side and then get a transfer through. But like somehow I got profiled and, um, like I, I'm a white middle-class guy from the burbs. Um, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, this is, this is, this is really messed up. So, it's like I have to I have to find a place where I can contribute um, and I need to be able to find a cryptocurrency that is privacy protecting so I can't be profiled I can't be shut down and right. so I started actually looking at at dash which is what I was found at the time and um, and then Monero um, I went to a dash meetup I'm in, I'm in Denver Colorado I went to dash meetup here in Denver and uh, they were all talking about this guy, Zuko Wilcox, who lives in Boulder, who's starting up this other project called Zcash. Right. Um, so I started watching it, right? I just started watching in the community and lurking. And um, I don't know if you guys have like dug into some of these different communities, but. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Could you could you talk to us a little bit about that journey, um, you know, getting into privacy, going into, you know, starting to look at Dash, then Monero and then, you know, eventually landing at the electric coin company, you know, and now in your current seat as the VP of growth, you know, you're responsible for Zcash adoption and demand generation. You know, how do you explain what Zcash is at a 30,000 foot level to someone who's never heard of it? Yeah, so there's there's a couple pieces. Of, I'll come back to what Zcash is. Um, for me, when I when I got engaged, like it was really important that I could like trust this technology. Like I needed to be able to 
Um, you know, I, I was looking at these communities. One of the things I saw in the crypto communities, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that are very immature in their thinking, um, pretty sophomoric in kind of their engagement, really negative. Um, and I didn't find that in the Zcash community. What I found was a lot of science, a hardcore cryptography, um, and, and a kind of friendliness and engagement. Um, that really for me as somebody who had been in technology and later in my career or at least mid-career was really attractive so like for me i applied for a job i just applied for a job um and it took me like six months and a step back in my title initially and a huge salary cut to get in the door but it's like i had to get in the door um, right. because like what i saw with zcash was like in the early days i mentioned i got in, in, engaged in the internet very early on and the thing that we could do in the early days of the internet like all of the tra all of the traffic on the internet was completely you know clear text and it was you know sent from machine to machine to machine so if i'm going to send you a message receipt like i'm going to send you that message and everybody's going to be able to see it um and when we had when we had browsers uh you know, people were trying to figure out like, how do we do commerce over that? Cause it doesn't work for me to put a credit card on my browser and send it around and everybody's got my credit card. Any kind of hacker has my credit card. Yeah, that's not good. No. So, so like in the mid nineties, um, Netscape introduced encryption. And so, and there was a battle, um, like Al Gore and the NSA and some other folks like try to shut it down. So they tried to shut down the ability to export encryption because they felt like it was a national security issue. Uh, Interesting. But yeah, but what was recognized over time, right, is that it, like if we're going to support the internet, we have to have encryption. Mm. We have to be able to allow people to transmit information without fear that that information is going to get stolen. Right. Right. With, with Zcash, it's really similar. So Bitcoin, amazing invention, but it's like the early days of the internet where the sender, the receiver, the transaction amount, all of that is completely visible on a public blockchain for all people for all time. So it's not just visible to you and your counterparty, but it's visible to other people that may want to track you and, you know, and mm -hmm. that's, uh, ex-partner ex-girlfriend it, it may the, be the ledger public the ledgers the state north korean hackers yeah. wow. um, whoever and so um it, you know in my case in sending money to to like india i want to be able to send a cryptocurrency to somebody to a counterparty in india and not have somebody else know who knows that person and who's figured out that person's Bitcoin address to know how much they got and how much they have sitting in there. It puts them at danger. Puts them in risk. Pocket watcher. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So for 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 Zcash, Zcash is like we we talk about it like Zcash is the HTTPS to Bitcoin's HTTP. So on the web, you know, if your HTTP HTTP WAC whatever address, all of that information is unencrypted. If you have HTTPS, all of that information is encrypted. Um, and so I'm, I believe, and the team of Zcash believes, right, people should have that option to be able to encrypt um, encrypt those transactions. There's an interesting thing in here. So like 
Satoshi knew Zuko. So Zuko is the founder of uh, Zcash. Oh, wow. That's wild. Um, is this yeah, breaking so, news? No, no, no. It's not breaking news because like it was published. So like here, so here's what happened. So here's how Zcash got founded. So the there was uh, there was a number of scientists. So Satoshi, like on the if you look back on the Bitcoin mailing, mailing list, some, they start talking about this technology called zero knowledge proofs. So they talk about the privacy problem. Right. The thing with Bitcoin, right, is you it has to work peer to peer in an untrusted network where none of the nodes can have to trust the other node. And so in order to avoid double spend, you've got to send all of these transactions to all of these nodes and they all have to be able to validate them. So if it's encrypted, how do you do that? You can't like give them a key because then it's just like exposing it to everybody else. You know, everybody can see it still. Right. Um, so Satoshi said in the mailing list or not in the mailing list on the forum, uh, I, like I, if, if somebody comes up with a way to solve it, it will be better. It will be a better Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but I don't see a way to solve it. And then some, there were seven scientists. There was, some scientists from MIT and Johns Hopkins, a couple in Israel and uh, Tel Aviv University and Technion figured out how to solve it. Um, they solved it with something called zero knowledge proofs. And they went to the Bitcoin core team and the Bitcoin core team said, nope. Because um, they, they, they said like, add this to Bitcoin and the Bitcoin core team said, no, we can't do that, right? It's too novel. Cryptography mm-hmm. is too new. Right. And uh, like experiment with it somewhere else. Um, so they went and found Zuko. So Zuko was well known because he had been around in early days and he f- published, I think the first um, blog post about Bitcoin. And wow. then, yeah. And then, and Satoshi linked to that blog post on the initial uh, Bitcoin website. Interesting. It's crazy. He's like, the OG of crypto. The OG. He is, he, he's the OG, yeah. Uh, <laughs> OG of the OGs. OG of the OGs. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Zuka. Yeah. Yeah, so so in your overview um, of Zcash, it seems as though, you know, there's this opt-in privacy mechanism where, you know, you can either have your transaction be public or private. Is that is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, so where the, where this started was again. This was they the those Zuko and the scientists. They kind of formed a team and they forked Bitcoin. Right. And so um, they and then they added the privacy on top. Right. Um, but zero knowledge proofs at that time were um, very computationally intensive. Uh-huh. So they wouldn't work on like mobile phones and they wouldn't work right. on like on most exchanges. Right. Right. And, and- no, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you. Um, so the optionality piece of the privacy, it feels like that's one of the main differentiators between, you know, Zcash and something like Monero. Um, do you agree or disagree with that statement? Um, well, here's the thing. I, I did. I did. I agree and disagree. Now, like, I, I'm a fan of Monero, so. I, you know, I think anything, any of these technologies where people have a, an option or a right to use them um, to transact and to do it securely and safely, awesome. Like I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. Um, so there's not like a competition thing with me. The the difference there's there is some differences in in the technology, 
and they like Monero uses um, obfuscation through like mixing, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take my transaction, I'm going to mix it in with a number of others, maybe three, maybe 10, maybe more. Um, and so then people won't be able to figure out like which transactions, which transaction. Um, and there's some other things they've been kind of adding on these additional layers on top of it. Yeah. Um, with, with Zcash, there's two parts to it. One is nothing's on the blockchain. The only thing that you can see on the blockchain is a proof that this person has the ability to spend it, that this transaction happened. But all of the data um, is not visible. So there's no obfuscation. It's just not there. You just can't see it. Mm. Got and, it. Yeah. And then the second part is is something called the, the privacy set. So if you, if you transact in Monero, your effective privacy set, meaning the number of transactions somebody might, you know, have to untangle in order to see yours, is like based on the number of mix-ins, right? It's three or ten or thirteen. Mm -hmm. um, with Zcash, the, pri the effective privacy set is all of the transactions that have occurred that are private that we, we call Z to Z. Wow. So it's a Z address to zero. <laughs> so it grows exponentially. It's a big number. So yeah, it's a big number. And the more that it gets used, the more that set grows, right? Because the more transactions that are happening within that pool, it's like you get that number of mix-ins every time and you're adding to the number of mix-ins um, every time you do a transaction. And so that's a, that's a pretty, a pretty significant, I think, differentiation between the two. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, and just sort of along, you know, not, not necessarily Com competing sake but in terms of comparing I feel like you know one of the things that when I started trying to use Monero you know was the idea of for it to be fully private I needed to download the full blockchain like I needed to have a node um, and I thought that was something that would be a limiting factor in terms of who ultimately would get to adopt Monero um, like it would be people that were super into it or institutions but in terms of like mass adoption I saw that as a limiting factor um, is that the case with Zcash? Like, do, do I need to download a full node of the blockchain if I want to send private transactions? No, but Rashid, like all of this stuff, it's like early, early. It, it, for right. me, having right. been through this before, it's like early days of the internet where like the web pages look like garbage and things are really slow. You know, if you wanted to do video over the internet, it was pretty much impossible or really challenging, right? Mm -hmm. Um so like Monero, everything's going to get better over time. And Zcash is similar. So we just like, we just open source some wallets yesterday, like wallets for iOS and, and Android. Mm -hmm. And those light wallets, you can do completely, you know, shield the transactions on a, um, on a mobile device without, you know, having to download the, the full chain. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So, but, but there's okay. all kinds of innovation that's happening that, you know, allows for that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It looks is what what we end up seeing and what we end up using is going to look nothing like what it is today. So no, that's a great point. It's a great point. Yeah. So Josh, um, kind of along those lines, as far as like the changing the changing landscape of like cryptocurrency, what scares you most about the space today and kind of how it is? What scares me is, you know, that what the number the number one thing that scares me the most is that we're creating the same thing that has already been here. Um, so we're recreating infrastructure that is built um, by the haves for the haves, 
Mm. And we talk about um, inviting more people in and equality. And yeah, yet we're building big exchanges with heavy KYC requirements and bank accounts. Um, you know, and we're creating, we're like reaching out to all the, hopefully hoping these institutional investors will come in, you know, and that we can get a Bitcoin ETF so that people with 401k plans can put it in Bitcoin, can put it in Bitcoin and and benefit from the upside. So that's like, that's a huge concern for me. Um, I mean, what's the likelihood of that? Like, yeah. What's the likelihood of that? You think? what's happening <laughs> I think yeah. it's like it, like look at all the people that are in it um, and I, I mean there's some great people yeah. that that are in the space with very good intentions right um, but you have it, but they're, they come from two places I mean a lot of them come from two places and I shouldn't say all and I shouldn't cast a, a wide net but, but you have like in the states you have a whole bunch of folks from Silicon Valley that yeah. are building up stuff just and they look like just like tech stuff. yeah yeah and the other side is that you have wall street building up stuff now what are they going to build well what how, how do you think a crypto maintains its inclusivity then like what is that like how do, how does that function happen well like one of the beautiful things about crypto is it's really early mm. uh and so there's an op- like there's an opportunity for people to jump in and to participate and to engage. Right. Um, there's an opportunity for people to to build things and test theories if they want to. Um, and it's really important that before all this infrastructure gets built, that other people in other places are building up that stuff. So I, I am like really excited about. Uh, like companies like RTM and Latin America, which allow people to, you know, have access to, you know, peer-to-peer trading of mm. crypto along with kind of other assets in order to mitigate against, you know, risk of hyperinflation. I'm, right. Um, things like local bitcoins. I'm, you know, really excited about those kinds of programs. But we need people to jump into those programs and not get kind of get sucked into the whatever the hype of the day is showing up on. You know, CoinDesk or, or the block or something like that. Yeah, that's dope. Um, I was reading something a little bit about, uh, I guess, like an initiative you guys had in the South Bronx, along with uh, with in Turkey with Syrian refugees. Can you can you discuss a little bit about that? Yeah, Twan, thanks for asking about that. That's um, that was born out of some of this. So uh, I had met a, I, I had met a, come across a school teacher from the South Bronx. Um, Carlos Acevedo and, and Carlos was teaching high school and he as part of what he was doing there was he's trying to teach some financial literacy in his classes and when his students graduated he gave them all like five dollars in Zcash and he gave them Zcash because at the time like Bitcoin was too expensive the transaction fees were too high um, and he was given such a small amount that um, he needed something with low transaction fees. So he looked at Litecoin and he looked at Zcash. He's like, well, I want to teach him about privacy. And so he, he did that. And so I saw an article in Washington Post about him and I reached out and he was, yeah, he was telling me like what was going on in the South Bronx and really educating me on the lack of banks, right? You have lots of predatory lending and payday loan services and all this kind of stuff, but very little access to banks. Um, that's, and that's, like, he, he, that's like urban areas all across America. 
Yeah. And, you know, for me, that's not something like I'm exposed to in my day to day. And it reminded me like I had a I had a sit down with like uh, I was meeting with a bunch of Ethereum leaders and they were all talking about the future of, of DeFi and what this could mean for the globally unbanked. And I look I was looking around the group and we were all the same skin color. We were all well educated. Uh, we were all came from relatively affluent backgrounds. Um, and this didn't like connect at all with what I knew about my friends in the slums in India. And I had asked a question and I said, and I said, oh, the folks here, like how many of you have actually sat across the table and broke bread with somebody that's unbanked and not a single hand went up. Damn. Right? Like it's like the <laughs> people that are building DeFi for the unbanked have never even met somebody that's unbanked. Um, that's the future customer. That's the future customer. Yeah, that's and so I was like, and I was and I was thinking about that with 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 Carlos with Alcevedo, and I was like, man, like what? Because he had this vision for providing you know broader education in the South Bronx. It's like, but what if we didn't? And he was looking for like um, like financial help and stuff like that to get that launched. And I was like, well, what if we did it a little bit differently? What if we brought the crypto community into the South Bronx? Um, because it's one thing to send a check, right? It's another thing to break bread. Yes, sir. yeah, to be there, it's to, to be there, people to 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 know what they're about, to know their needs. Um, that's that's important for you know diversity and inclusion, so they can also be involved in the crypto community as well. It doesn't seem as uh, non tangible. Yeah, it, it, you have a face on it, right? And. Yes. And, and and you have very honest engagement. The thing that I loved about this, we've we've now done two pilots in the South Bronx, and and we've done some um, two in Turkey, and and there's another one coming up for um, refugees, Syrian refugees in, in Europe here at the end of the month. But it's it's one thing to, and, and it's another thing to kind of show up and expect like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach these you know these kids all about crypto. Uh, it's another to like to engage on a converse in a conversation about a topic yeah. of with with folks that are in the South Bronx because the reality is I believe like the problems are the South Bronx aren't going to be fixed by crypto and they're not going to be fixed by somebody in Wall Street. The problems in the South Bronx are going to be fixed by the people in the South Bronx. Yes, sir. But they need they need access. They need access um, and information. And the, right. Yeah. So. We said, like, let's start to create relationship between the people that are there and the people in crypto. So we brought like Gemini in, um, mm. and we brought uh, Masari in, and we brought Flexa, who has a has a wallet, um, and Casa came in, um, and a big VC um, placeholder VC, and we we brought an attorney in um, who could talk about kind of re- some regulation and law. And man, like we had, we had like Jim and I came in at the end of the first day and they were awesome. And they kind of presented like, this is where the exchange is, how it works. And the, the kids had already been like engaged to the day. So they, they were ready for an exchange and, and somebody raised their hand and they're like, well, if, if I, if I get money on your exchange, um, like, am I, well, can I use crypto, can I use crypto in such a way that, you know, like I have the freedom to use it without fear of being shut down? Absolutely. But if I go to exchange, I still have to get, go through a KYC process. 
Yes. And then if I put money on the exchange, then who holds the keys? Do you hold the keys or do I hold the keys? Well, we hold the keys. Yeah. So if then a regulator or law enforcement or somebody comes and they decide to like freeze my account, can I get my Bitcoin back? No. No, no, <laughs> right? sir. no, sir. No. Yeah. So like, what are we creating? Are we creating the same thing or do I like do do like legitimately, legitimately have kind of free freedom? And so like having those kinds of conversations were, were um, like really beneficial. We actually had, I think it was three kids out of the first pilot actually get internships with some of the companies that were there as well. Mm. So, so now you move out of like in, in you know, just um, information, passing along information, but real engagement Inclusion. and then real access. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's another question, man. I mean, this seems, this seems like something you're super excited about as far as just the inclusion and diversity aspect to crypto and what it truly should be. Um, and I know earlier you mentioned some projects that you were excited about, but is there anything else that right now kind of looking at the space just excites you? Yeah, like I think privacy is a huge one, right? Where, again, it's like early days of internet and people, you know, people have these perspectives about privacy that I just think are are just wrong um, about who needs it and why they need it. Um, And I think there's more projects that are now adding it. So Bitcoin, you have mixers, Litecoin's looking at adding privacy, Ethereum, uh, with things like Tornado Cash and other mechanisms for privacy. Tezos is adopting zero knowledge proofs. Uh, so I think more broadly, kind of this adoption of, of that so that people can have security and, and safety. And I even think some regulators, so there's some regulators that like are not on board for sure, but there yeah. are regulators that are starting to try to think through, like, what does this mean? Um, what does it mean for all of my citizens to and all of the businesses that are in my constituency to expose all of their financial data for Russia or China or North Korea to see, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's pretty exciting. I think like the, the people that are doing work, because we've been in this kind of crypto bear market for a long time. Um, there's a lot of people that have rode this whole storm and they've just been building and building. <laughs> and so, yeah. That's that's pretty that's pretty awesome to see that coming. Some of the interoperability, so the idea that we can like pass currencies across chains and things like that without an intermediary, it's pretty exciting. What do you think about um, you know going back to inclusivity and creating you know more accessibility for those that are in underbanked right or credit invisible uh, demographics? You know, creating more tools to make it more accessible so things like gift cards um has zcash you know thought about or you know worked through that problem um for those who just have an innate fear you know being in the traditional banking system but how you can still find ways uh to get them educated about cryptocurrency but also get them to adopt it without a bank account yeah so just one thing real quick on that so zcash like zcash is a community project so like we founded it um and we continue to deliver and build on the core protocol there's also uh something called the zcash foundation so the zcash foundation also does does work and also provides grants to third parties who are like building things um or 
running meetups or things like that in communities around the world. And then there's a, there'll be a new thing that gets launched um, in in November. So Zcash's first happening is in November, and the uh, something that will come out of that moving forward is a portion of the mining rewards will go to this new grants committee. And the, these these major grants will be eight percent of the total mining reward uh, to be allocated to, to projects to continue to build. So uh, I'm excited about like the, the potential to, to scale the work by having all of these other you know parties that are building um, on top of it. There are some uh, folks that have applied for grants and some folks that we've funded and things like that that have been running. Um, kind of meetups and initiatives. We have been working, I mentioned AirTM earlier, we've had worked with AirTM. So AirTM allows you to uh, exchange crypto and in some cases you may be exchanging it for uh, Amazon gift card. Um, and then when you want to, like if you're in Venezuela and want to convert it to Bolivars, uh, then you can do that. And so it becomes a, a much better store of value. Like I heard a story about folks in Venezuela that were like buying washing machines as store of value. Um, what? Because <laughs> a washing if you're, machine. So if you're, if you're, if your local currency is hype, you know, is, is coming yeah, over no. inflation, it's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, <if> you, <laughs> you like buy stuff that isn't, that's going to be worth more tomorrow in terms of the, um, in terms of it's, it's in a boulevard value. So this provides like a digital means, right? It's a much better digital gold much better digital, you know, store value. Um, but to, to answer your question, yeah, there's things that we're doing. Like one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to launch this program that's bringing crypto into context and allow for uh, these other companies like across the spectrum of crypto to kind of get engaged with these local communities to really understand and experience what these communities need in order to help build um, solutions for them. Well, thank you. And if someone was was interested in applying for one of those grants what do they go do they just google zcash foundation grants or so a specific website that you know we could put our links to this too oh yeah you can go to the zcash foundation website and there's a menu there to, to select grants and there's information on that grant program um yeah so they have uh like i, I just saw one come in it was for a, a gentleman Ige, uh, that is like launching a um like a community effort in Nigeria, I believe. Uh, he just applied for a grant. Um, there's been stuff like for people that want to do art, like they're creating posters. Uh, so they're not just like technical and they're not just community. There's all kinds of ways that people can contribute um, and that the foundation you know, provides funding for. And then the major grants, that kind of huge chunk of dollars will come available um, after the happening in, in November. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for sharing that information. Um, I think the the other thing we wanted to ask you was, do you ever see instruments such as tokenized currencies replacing USD as the world reserve status? Uh, yeah, Xavier, like, let me ask you, like, what do you, what, what, how do you feel about it? So if I say yes, yeah, like, I think that China and Russia and a lot of folks would like to decouple from the USD, right? I think everybody would. <laughs> like what? How do you feel about it? Um. So, person, I mean, it's interesting because I, 
I've seen more rumblings, you know, of this, you know, across the media, particularly covering crypto in in recent months. Uh, personally, I would love to see it. Quite honestly, um, I think we should go to a system that moves away um, from USD. Now, that might ruffle some feathers. I know some people are, you know, fervent patriots and whatnot <laughs> and want to keep all the power in America. But I think there's only a, a certain number of people who are truly empowered. Um, and so if we can you know, move away from that and kind of reset the global, you know, financial chessboard. I think that would be great in, in my personal opinion. So the risk is, right, so we have, so the, the U.S. government's not naive about the possible disruption of the USD through right. digital currencies. It's a, so it's a national security issue. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> yeah. And I think they've, I think like Mnuchin, I think he's stated that, but, but what happened, what happens if the, the USD, I mean, there's a digital USD. Yeah. Or there's some kind of uh, currency that's created by multiple governments that then they're mandating that this is the standard. Well, we adopt Zcash. <laughs> we, <laughs> so no, that's that's what that, that's what's scary for me, right? Is that you still need privacy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least with cash, I mean, there's some form of privacy. Like uh, no one's really tracing it. And it's so funny how media villainizes crypto, you know, for, oh, it could be used for bad actors and, you know, criminal activities. It's like, what do you think USD is used for? Like, I've never understood that argument. Uh, but, but back to you, Josh, what were you going to say? No, like, Xavier, like, you're spot on, right? Because that's the number one currency used for doing illegal things. And by the way, most of that is done through, like, major global banks. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> So it's pretty ridiculous. You're like, you're right. Um, but like what happens, what happens, like what makes one of the things that makes me nervous is that you have, if you have a, a government and say, okay, we're going to issue our own digital currency and it's going to be private so that a foreign attacker can't see it, but we're going to be able to monitor all the transactions. <laughs> Cause we need to make sure that right. No bad things happen. Right. Dangerous. There's this, there's this kind of trade-off, right? So, like, what is the, what's the right answer? There's a trade-off between saying, you know, I will say, like, I had, I had a conversation with somebody in law enforcement who does investigations, and they said, we, you know, we track cryptocurrencies in and out of dark markets, and that allows us to catch child pornographers. It allows us to catch terrorists who are trying to sell guns. Like, don't you think we need the ability to track them down? And of course, like we all agree, right? Child pornographers. Yeah. We, that's bad. We, that's bad, right? <laughs> selling <laughs> selling guns online, you know, to and from terror. That's bad. I'm not sure about um, But uh, like, what's, what's the right balance for allowing law enforcement to do their job to be able to... Um, to catch bad guys, but giving people the right to protect their own privacy. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it kind of connects to the point that you made earlier of, are we building the same world digitally? <laughs> um, you know, because the further we get along, you know, in terms of making progress in crypto, 
the eyes of the incumbent, the incumbent power, you know, are also, are also shifting and plans are being made of, OK, well, how do we not lose this level of power? Um, so I guess to, to, to follow up on the question of, you know, the possibility of a tokenized asset becoming the world reserve currency, do you think there is hope that we can have a truly decentralized, non-controllable money be, you know, what the globe operates on for trade? Like, do you think, are you hopeful that that's a, that that's a real possibility um, from your seat? So, like, I, I'm an optimist, so I say 100% yes, but Rashid, like, when you say, like, the global power structures, like, do not want to cede power, yeah, that's the thing, right? right? So, it's like, how do we ensure that there's an option for people to opt out of those systems, of those people in power? and opt into something else, right? That they're comfortable with without fear of losing their job or losing their money or... You know, vouch fear of reprisal. Yes, right. I do. Yeah, have... I was gonna say, go, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna say like Mo, Mo who's like doing the, um, the, the classes for the Syrian refugees, like he's a Syrian refugee mm. and that's what happened to him. So he dissented against his own government. He um, rebelled against the government that was there in Syria through demonstrations. And then all of a sudden his assets were freezed, wow. right? They're freezed in the banks. His businesses were freezed. He had to flee the country and he had to go rebuild his life um, outside, outside the country. That's the same, like we run the risk of creating the same thing right. and making it easier because it's digital. Because it's digital, right. I, I am kind of curious, like, what type of, like, financial apps are you interested in or, or use? Because you seem like you're a guy big into privacy, so. Yeah. Well, it's funny, like, <laughs> I do use Venmo. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, funny. like, uh, because I have, you know, I have somebody that, it, um, a, a renter, and and she that's what she that's what she uses and knows and i haven't convinced her to like move off of that yet and i'm like well that's that's fine for um, for that <laughs> now but it, but it bothers me. i know i know it bothers me. <laughs> um so i haven't i haven't convinced her yet so like we have so much work to do to, to more, get people to one more address one more address <laughs> yeah well what i did was i gave her a little bit right okay um and I said, like, I'm going to give you a Zcash and just like sit on it and watch it and like we can play around with something. And that's like changes things with a lot of people as soon as they have it in their pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to get smart about it, right? And it's like, what is this asset that I have in my wallet? And is it really worth this much money? Hmm. Yeah, I got a question for you. As far as the um, like people having that asset in their pocket, right? How do you see like the do you see like the dampening of the volatility in the crypto market ever becoming a thing because i feel like that's something that almost uh deters adoption because when someone gets crypto when it's like up 20 percent or down 20 percent a day it's like well maybe i maybe i shouldn't have this i think that's there's two two parts to that so right now right the the kind of trend especially mm-hmm. in the down market it's kind of sexy is the, the stable coin trend yeah 
where it's whether it's you know pegged to the U.S. dollar, but then it's pegged to the U.S. dollar. Who knows what's going to happen to the U.S. dollar now that we have like trillions of dollars to just play. <laughs> right? But but now we have like you know uh, what Facebook was trying to do with Libra and tying it originally before that they, they got kind of blocked by Congress was to have it pegged to like this basket of assets so that it's stable. And there's other people that are you know looking at these kind of stable assets, but they are pegged to something. Um, the volatility, like the major volatility, I think decreases over time as you have a lot of liquidity in the market, mm. right? So you can't have these huge swings. No, but we saw the stock market today, right? The stock today, market six percent, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> volatility. It's right. not twenty percent. It's like not a bad Bitcoin day, but right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so there's still volatility. Fact, Bitcoin was down less. Bitcoin was down <laughs> less today than the stock market, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> But those are fun days, right? But the the I think we'll see that more and more, especially when you have like assets like Bitcoin or Zcash that are depreciating assets, where there's less um, less of it hitting the market and more liquidity that comes in over time. I think the burden to fill out and trying to understand is the crypto you know market asset class still coupled with U.S. equities you know market. I don't I don't know if we've seen that true decoupling yet. Um, between both asset classes, are you, you know? Do you share the same sentiment, Josh, or do you disagree? No, I don't disagree either. Like I've had, I've seen these studies, like, and I'm in these probably coupled or decoupled or whatever. But like we saw today, like I don't know if it was coupled or decoupled today when we had the first kind of stock market crash, whatever, a couple months ago with COVID, and, and it was certainly coupled. Right? People are. It's, it's whether or not like Bitcoin or crypto or risk on or risk off assets. Right. And if people have disposable income and they're using it in the hope that, you know, orange go up, then they're going to pull it if they feel unsafe. Yeah. Um, so it feels like it's still coupled. <laughs> I, yeah. No, I agree with you. I think it's more of a liquidity thing. Um, you know, sort of with these near term shocks where everyone's sort of aiming to get into the dollar, uh, given the uncertainty sort of all across the board. So it's really hard to tell, like you said. Yeah, there's some there's some of it like where you have some of these big swings that seem to be based upon, you know, a high degree of speculation on certain exchanges where they're, um, you know, they're they're like doing these options that are just su- like super risky. Um, and then everybody gets liquidated <laughs> right. one direction or the other. But yeah, over time, I think the price discovery, price discovery will happen over a period of years and things will normalize a little bit. Right. I think, I think the market is going to get really crazy once they start rolling out um, crypto derivatives to more, you know, platforms like Coinbase um, and Cash. And you mentioned Vimo. I have a question because it, it appears that Square is really starting, you know, to position themselves as a strong player um, in the cryptocurrency place you know, space. Do you do you see Square, you know, emerging as that number one player, and uh, you know, for consumer adoption for a cryptocurrency? I don't know if it's them, but I think it's going to be somebody like them. Like as soon as you have something that's already on somebody's phone, you know, and then you introduce this new thing. But like I, like I haven't seen like Apple Pay really take. I don't know how big Apple Pay is now. Um, 
So, I, you know, it could be possible, but I think it's probably, yeah, it's probably like a mainstream application with a huge uh, or strong usability, strong, you know, install base. Um, and then somebody can flip the switch and, you know, I don't have to use my credit card from, you know, anymore. Um, there's some interesting stuff like um, Gemini hasn't formally announced it yet, although you can find it on their website, something called Gemini Pay um, that allows you to, and Coinbase does something with a, with a, with a credit card or Visa, I think. But Gemini Pay, um, like you can go to uh, Baskin Robbins or Nordstrom's or um, Lowe's or you know a bunch of different retail sites and use your crypto to buy directly. And there's no, it's not like, uh, there's some solutions out there that use gift cards, that kind of model. This is directly tied into the payment systems. Um, although if you walk into, uh, if you walk into uh, Baskin Robbins and, and use it, the person there probably won't know that, you know, they're, you're using crypto, but you can use your Zcash or your Bitcoin or, um, or whatever directly at the register. And that, that experience feels really good because it's really fast. Uh, the transaction happens really fast. Um, I'm not giving credit card information that can be stolen and reused. Um, the store likes it because they're protected from fraud. Uh, so if cash is, if, 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 you know, some of these applications like that are able to, um, to kind of adopt some of that, I think that either that will happen or it'll be an, you know, incumbent like Gemini pay is built on top of Flexa. So it'd be something like the Flexa network or something that, that will, that will win, but. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll definitely have to check that out. Um, and for everyone listening out there, be sure to check that out. Cause that sounds like a very interesting pro- uh, uh, product that they're rolling out. Um, I guess before we get out of here, uh, my last question to you is just what's your price prediction for Bitcoin uh, by the end of the year? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't make price predictions. <laughs> I don't like I don't give financial advice. I don't make price predictions. Uh, <laughs> I will say like I own, I own some Bitcoin. So um, but I have a long term long term view. Okay. Got to, man. Yeah. Josh, a fun fact. What's a fun fact about you that the that the viewers can can know? Ah, oh, fun fact. Yes, sir. Um, For listeners, not viewers. Yeah, I once um, battled rats with a machete. Whoa! Sorry, I got into a rat fight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to come to my house because I was talking about my roommate. I'm like, man, I hear something at night, and it don't sound like a cat, bro. <laughs> No. Um, so that's one. I lived on a billboard for a week. That was another one. You lived oh, on a radio. billboard? Yeah, for a radio for a radio show for um, for Rocky's tickets. Wow. So they it was a contest, and they they wanted they said that you had to in order to get in order to enter, um, you had to write an essay um, in, that was five words or less about why you'd be willing to sit on a billboard for. 85 hours or whatever it was and um i i said uh chicks dig guys that can hold their poop 85 like how did that play I, out i won i, I won the, and they so they put me up on a billboard and put me on the radio a couple times a day there were a couple of us that won yeah and then in the middle of it started snowing which was pretty miserable 
But what they did is they allowed us down every few hours. And the only food we were allowed was the food from the 7-Eleven that was sponsoring it, which was below the billboard. Um, and we could use the restroom and then we're back. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say, like, how you hold the poop thing, man? <laughs> Yo, that sounds like a, a episode of How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a fun week, but the tickets were good. That's wild. Um, I guess my question is, like, what do you typically listen to? Like, in terms of what? In terms of... Music. Music? Like, I am... I'm an alt person. Um, so I like, I grew up on alternative. I grew up on like rock music and heavy metal and then it became kind of hard alternative music. Um, it's most, mostly what I listen to, but I listen to a, a wide, I listen to a wide variety of stuff. Sometimes it's just stuff that my kids want me to listen to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who should I be listening to? Right. Chef G. Oh. Chef, make us pop smoke. Was wait what? What was that last one? Pop smoke. Oh, he passed though. He passed. Yeah, he passed. Uh, he's awesome. You, you'd actually probably like him though. Was really responsible. Yeah, because he's very yeah alt rock. Um, yeah, But Nipsey Hustle was someone that we saw as you know creating that mainstream adoption for crypto and actually yeah. brian uh, tweeted out about him a couple of weeks ago uh he was really breaking it down in a manner that everyone could understand and it didn't just go over their heads because a lot of times when you talk to people in the crypto space they're very condescending or they'll just go over your head <laughs> right and not everyone is a cryptographer or you know a computer scientist so you need to have people like that uh to explain so yeah th- those are a couple of the people that we listen to you know here at the pod Awesome. She, did you have uh, anything you want to ask before we got on here? No, nah, man, I think I think that that's it. Um, you know, thank you, Josh. It's very, very, um, you know, helpful insights, I think, for us and, you know, for our listeners. So I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you, Josh. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it so much um, for coming by and we would love to have you back in the future. I might call you for some pest control, too. <laughs> we'll have to see though. I, I don't know. I'm living up that life. Yeah, but yeah, thank you. All right, with that, um, you know, that's, an, that's a wrap. Another episode of Trading Places. Um, thank you for listening, guys, and we're out. Yeah, that's the song. That's the joint. That's the jam. Turn that shit up. Playing again. That's the joint. That's the jam. Turn that shit up. Playing again. That's the joint. That's the jam. Turn that shit up. I like the way the rhythm makes me jump and move It got some feeling that makes me wanna do my do Got me feeling joy to my green sky blue And when you hear a cup, baby doll, I know you We're feeling, huh? Get up on the floor, start moving, son Body parts that got brothers acting down And they be acting down from the cook that's playing, huh? People breaking neck from this demonstration We about mass appeal, no segregation Got black to Asian and Caucasian Saying that's the joint, that's the jam Turn that shit up, play it again That's the joint Collide to the rhythm provided by the mind state affairs Classified to make your heat up and flare I swear, I serenade the soul and so beware And what's happening is sequel to heavenly feeling the-